Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, this is Cork Today with Patricia Massinger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's greatest hits. And very good morning uh, to you. And where else can we start the programme today? But by mentioning the late uh, mother of five, Emma Vic Mahuna, it was with such sadness that I saw a tweet go out uh, yesterday a morning to say that Emma Vic Mahuna had passed away. And, you know, for whatever reason, yesterday morning when I was doing some prep for the show, Emma Vic Mahuna came into my mind and, and I don't know why. And I was wondering how she was doing and she had been great at putting up uh, posts on Facebook where she'd have a rant about something or she was giving out about something. I wanted to highlight something and it just struck me that I hadn't seen her post anything in a while and I was hoping that she was okay and I checked her Facebook play- page and it had been taken down and little did I realise uh, that while I was thinking about her she was actually uh, passing uh, away and but she what, what I was thrilled about was she did get her dying wish and her dying wish was that she would pass away in in her adopted home of uh, Kerry. She, of course, is a native of uh, Dublin, but she's been living in the little Gwaeltacht village of Ballydavid near Dingle. She moved there September of last year along with her young family. And that community uh, outside of uh, Dingle seemed to have really embraced uh, Emma, which is fantastic for the five young uh, children that have been uh, left behind. And she did pass away in University Hospital in Kerry in Tralee yesterday morning and seemingly the one of the last things she did was as a family they sat down and they all watched a movie together you know she did everything even to the bitter end to try to keep life as normal uh, for the young family and when she discovered that she had terminal cancer that's when she started her 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 it was a race against time but her battle was them to secure the financial future of her children and of course if um, financially she has secured their future but their future is going to be very different without their wonderful mother but of course we know back in June she got that settlement of 7.5 million from Quest Laboratories uh, in the States. It was in August I think everybody knew that Emma didn't including herself that she didn't have much time left when she again went public to tell everyone that the cancer unfortunately had uh, spread to the the brain and even though she was getting a course of treatment it unfortunately did nothing for her and um, she passed away uh, yesterday. Uh, The family issued a statement yesterday 
They say uh, in the statement uh, that she was a wonderful mother, a daughter and cherished friend. Emma, who battled an illness with great valour, passed away peacefully in the comfort of the family's loving embrace. She was helped. She helped to shine a light, light on important issues which affected not just her own life but the lives of many others. The statement continued, We will miss Emma beyond words. Her intellect, her love, her quick wit, infectious smile are irreplaceable to those closest to her in these most difficult days. However, the statement says, We take some comfort in the knowledge that Emma will be long remembered by the thousands of people who've been inspired by her fight for justice, transparency and improved uh, services. And of course, it's her young family that she leaves behind. Her eldest daughter, Natasha, is 15. And then she's got the four boys. Uh, Seamus is 11. Mario is 10. Oshin is six. And little Donica is uh, only uh, two. And what's so cruel, I think, for Emma Vic Mahuna was she had three tests done. She went for a smear in 2010, 2011 and 2013. And all three of them were incorrectly read. The 2010 and the 2013 slides should have led to a mandatory further investigation and she probably would have gone for, she would have gone for a thing called a colposcopy which would have led to something called a let's loop which is either there's just precancerous cells or the very early stage stage of a small amount of cancerous cells and they're taken away and that's it. She would have gone on she would have been quite fastidious about getting smears done every six months initially then it would have gone to a year and then eventually she would have gone to two years and she would have been fine and nobody would ever have heard the name of Emma Vic Mahuna and she would have continued to raise her five beautiful uh, children and of course she also went to her grave never knowing um why? Why did it? Why and how did it all happen? It's just we still really haven't gotten to, uh, to the bottom of. Well, I suppose how did it happen? I suppose we did. It was just that they were reading the slides too quickly in the states. They weren't doing it the way they were supposed. Was certainly the way we do it here in this country. But um, uh, just why? Why has this young woman of thirty-seven been taken away from her young family? And I remember last May. You know, all of us, I don't think there was a person in the country couldn't have cried when they, when we heard the, the initial interview that she gave when she went public because she wanted to go public to fight for her children, I think, firstly, to secure their financial future, but also to, also to shine a spotlight for other women who wouldn't have had the strength that this woman had to get out there and tell the story and for, to shout stop and to make sure that this wouldn't happen again. You know, and she like she said at the time, I shouldn't even have cancer and now I'm dying. And then when she spoke about having to sit her five children down to tell them that her mother was dying was undoubtedly the most heartbreaking thing all of us ever had to listen to as she recalled the story telling how upset all her children uh, was the the older boy uh, of 11 just couldn't stop crying the little six year old was saying are you going to come back to us do you not love us why do you have to leave us I mean it was just absolutely heartbreaking and uh, you know I know she spoke about the little two-year-old uh, Donica and her fear was that he would never you know he, he would never remember her and you know, but she's left behind a most incredible legacy. And there's so much, I think there's so many interviews, t- you know, television interviews, um, you know, that please God, he will remember her through 
certainly the legacy that she has left uh, behind. But it's just, it's utterly heartbreaking. And, and our thoughts are with the five children. And I know I was, when, when I realised she passed away yesterday, I was thinking, oh my God, who is behind for the, for the children now? Because obviously she was a single mother. She was raising the five children uh, on their own. And her own mother, she had been a single um, um, an only child herself and she had been raised by her mother her parents had split up when she was very young they'd been living in in England and her mother moved back uh, to Dublin with Emma when Emma was only six and Emma was raised as an only child and she by a single mother and she said how lonely it was and that's why she always wanted a big family she never wanted any of her children to grow up as an only child so she wanted a big family. She had five. I think she would have gone on to probably had more children, but she ended up then raising those five children on her own. So like her mother isn't alive. Her father lives in England. I don't know whether she was estranged from the father or not, but she doesn't even have, you know, sisters or brothers, you know, aunts or uncles for the children who can step in. It's just it's such a sad, uh, sad story. I mean, financially, yes, they they will be secure, but there's no amount of money in the world is going to make up for the loss of their fantastic mother. And what a great mother she was, just a strong, strong uh, woman. And hopefully that strength will pass on uh, to those children and they'll grow up to be fine human beings like their mother was. Uh, Michael already by WhatsApp says, Patricia, the prayers and thoughts of the whole country are with the children of the late Emma Vic Mahuna and the passing of their brave mother. A mother who accepted her passing um, publicly, yet did so much for the young women of this country. God love her children. She loved them and lived every day for them, far too young to be taken from them. All the money in the world will not replace a loving, caring mother. Her courage and her bravery will never be forgotten. Her abiding legacy can only be that of a great mother. May God rest her soul in the peace of heaven amongst his angels. So that's from Michael. Thank you, Michael. Uh, summed up well. Uh, so if you want to add to that your thoughts on the passing of Emma Vic Mahuna, feel free to use our airwaves, 1850 uh, You can text or WhatsApp 86 to uh, 103-103. And actually on the programme this morning, and we already had this scheduled to talk about it uh, before Emma's passing, we're going to be talking about further delays for test results for some women uh, who have gone for smears with cervical check. And you just think you want to scream from the mountains. Enough. We've seen enough young women die. Can we just make sure that we protect the women of this country and make sure that everything that can be put in place for cervical check, because it is in itself, it is a fantastic service when it works. It works brilliant. Emma Vic Mahuna and Vicky Phelan and a lot of the other women are constantly saying that do not let, you know, what has happened to this women, do not let that stop people going forward for the HPV vaccines, which can and will uh, save the lives of future women from getting cervical cancer. And then, of course, cervical check, go for your smears. Do not ignore if you get called for your smear test or you've got any kind of symptoms, please go for your smear. But we need to be able to get results out to women as quickly as possible. So we will talk about that on the programme uh, today. Also hearing the very sad 
uh, and worrying story coming out of McCroom with a murder. The Gardaí are appealing uh, for witnesses. Sean Gallagher, first of the presidential campaign candidates, uh, joins us for an interview today. If you have a question for Sean Gallagher, it's his second time to run for president. He ran back unsuccessfully in 2011. We'll talk with him today on the programme. We're going to preview a health and wellbeing event that's going on in Bandon on Friday night. And Annalise Trussell will join us in the final hour of the programme. New Times South for Annalise. She joins us in the final hour from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. And also, we will be looking for two contestants to join me on air to play a competition where I will call out my shopping list for the day. And you will have 30 seconds to remember as many of the items on my shopping list, which is made up of 20 items. It's a competition whereby we've teamed up with Dan, Dano Centra and Maxol Spaglen in Mallow. They're celebrating 30 years servicing the community and we have daily prizes of a €100 Euro Centra gift card and a €50 Euro Maxol gift card to give away every day. We'll take two callers to air you so you'll be up against another listener and whichever listener can remember the as many items from my shopping list in 30 seconds will be our daily winner. So a terrific prize as we celebrate with Dano Centra and Maxol Spoglen in Mallow, celebrating 30 years serving the community. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thoughts coming in about the passing of the late Emma uh, Vic Mahuna. John says, if that woman was told in time, her life would have been very different. I feel the doctors involved should be brought to court and they should be dealt with. Vincent in Newmarket said, I was looking at the papers this morning and they quoted a line from a number of months ago in an interview with Emma Vic Mahuna, where Emma stated, people have died, somebody needs to go to jail. And that was a line that was Emma Vic Mahuna's own words. It is so sad and it is just so awful, said uh, Vincent. Yeah, Emma was, that was one of the things that Emma felt quite strongly about. She felt people should have been brought to task, you know, while she got her compensation from the clinic who mis, well, yeah, misread her, didn't read her slide uh, properly. She always felt that somebody should have been, some somebody should have been made some kind of accountability. She fought quite hard for that. She didn't get that accountability, unfortunately, before, her, before she died. She might have got the financial support to secure her children's future but she certainly didn't get accountability the type of accountability that Emma herself uh, wanted that is uh, for sure and Joseph in Mitchellstown why are the government sending condolences to Emma's family now when they should have been sorting out the health system all along if we'd had a proper health system this situation would never have arose which is a good point uh, Joseph because they started they decided to send out the reading of the smear test to send it abroad and that was a cost saving if they had left it in this country at the labs in this country then yes Emma Vic Mahuna you assume back in 2010 2011 and 2013 at least one if not all of those smears would have been picked up and we wouldn't be in the situation we're in you are right that's for sure thank you at some of your texts coming in and just on a couple of other uh, issues I want to send congratulations the Blossom Harem Award uh, these are like the Oscars for the food industry they were held in Dingle over the weekend and some of the producers that we who 
came to join us at some of our summer OBs this year for the various food festivals have won prizes. Uh, Martin's Jams. I was thrilled about this because we we had Martin on the programme only last week helping out one of our listeners who was trying to make, wasn't it, crab apple jelly and it hadn't worked and he came on to tell us how to do it and he mentioned he was heading off to Dingle uh, with his lemon curd which sounds absolutely delicious. He got Best in Farmer's Market at the Blossom Heron Awards and he's absolutely thrilled well done Martin that's for Martin's jams keep a look out for that his uh, new lemon curd and Glown Cross Dairy that I have been talking about since I tasted their milk they brought me in these wonderful bottles of milk it's milk the old style way in glass bottles and the cream sits on the top of it and it's absolutely the most gorgeous milk I have tasted in a long long while so I'm not in any way surprised to hear that they have received gold at the Heron Awards in uh, Dingle at the weekend so congratulations to all of the winners there was a huge amount of winners but just those two producers in particular we had touched base with them only in the last number of weeks and Johnny and Ballyclaw was on about something if anybody else knows about this to say somebody has made a roadway around the side of the barrier at the Waterloo Junction and according to Johnny the road has been used all weekend he reckons it's now 10 times more dangerous as there's no road markings and no signs Uh, he thinks it's an accident waiting to happen as anybody else notices that and I'm assuming it's just local people are using it is it is it is it somebody locally has decided to take upon themselves because there's still the dispute as to how much longer that junction is going to be closed but somebody it seems has made a little bit of a road where that one car I take it can fit through it at, at a time uh, along the side of the barrier on the Waterloo Junction if anybody can update us or fill us in on that and would you agree with Johnny and Ballyclaw that it unfortunately is an accident waiting to happen 1850 we're going to take a break and we're back reporting on this fatal stabbing in McCroom Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Now Gardaí in McCroom are investigating a fatal stabbing that occurred at a house on Dan Cork Corkery Place in McCroom. Uh, joining me, our senior news reporter Fiona is, Corcoran, yeah. who, who I think is joining us from McCroom. Uh, good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning. Um, okay, can you tell us when it happened and what what's known at this stage? Well, what we know at this stage, Patricia, is that at uh, ten to two this morning, Gardy were called to a house here at Dan Corkery Place in McCroom, and when they arrived, they discovered a man, a forty-four-year-old man with um, suspected stab wounds and he was deceased and um, his body remains at the scene um, there's a, a body tent at the scene and um, the area is completely sealed off Dan Corpery Place um, is sealed off by Gardaí here at the minute and there was another man and a woman both in their 40s they were also in the house at the time they were taken to hospital in Cork City and were treated for non-life-threatening injuries now Gardaí will be speaking to them later on um, uh, to, to try and determine what happened to this man, and uh, they're also appealing for any witnesses to come forward. Um, you know, they've launched an investigation here, and they are appealing for any witnesses or anybody who has any, any information to contact either McCroom Garda Station or the Co- Garda Confidential Line. And um, at the minute, we're waiting for the state pathologist to arrive. The office was notified earlier this morning, and. Uh, the pathologist will then carry out a preliminary examination at the scene 
and then the remains will be uh, removed to Cork University Hospital where a post-mortem will be carried out later today and obviously that will tell us a little bit more as well. And Gardaí are going to be holding a media briefing at, tw- at midday here at the scene and we'll um, find out a little bit more about what's happening with their investigation. Obviously at this stage it is very early in the investigation and we only have a very small amount of information to go by at the minute. But is, I have the identity of, is the identity of the deceased man known? Um, well, I have been talking to some locals here who have been able to give me a little bit of information about the man, but um, Gardaí have not released anything about his identity at the minute and we cannot say anything at this stage. Um, but the, from what I understand, from what I have gathered from locals here, is that... Um, the one of the that the two men involved in this situation were related. One of them was living here at um, a house in Dan Corkery Place. They've been living here for the last couple of years. Um, and the his brother and his um, partner used to come and visit him all the time. And um, they're not from the Croom, but uh, they're from the Cork area. And um, you know we'll we'll find out from Gardaí now at twelve o'clock a little bit. Okay, and for, and and what's what's the area like? Is is it a very settled area of of Macroom? Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of elderly people and infirm people who live around here, and they um, it's a social housing area. Um, but uh, the people who live here were telling me that um, because it's a lot of elderly people, and um, you know, it is generally would have been regarded as a very quiet area. Um, and um, people were understandably very shocked when they saw all of this Garda activity here this morning because, um, you know, it is a small little estate and the, there is now Garda tape up around the entrance to it and people can't really get in and out. And, uh, you know, there was a bus here this morning to take people to the Cope Foundation and uh, that bus is still parked here because people aren't really able to get in and out. Mm. And... Um, the, uh, uh, yeah, so it's 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 very shocking scene for people. And further down into the estate, just outside the house, which is on the left, and um, there's a, a big body tent, and there's a lot of Garda activity around. So it can be quite shocking. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff you see on TV, and you never expect to see it in your own little housing That's estate. Right, yeah. and Trisha, I'm actually just here with um, Andreas Moynihan TD, and he wants to have a quick word with you okay. about what's happened here. Okay. Um. Good morning, Andreas. Good morning, Patricia. Um, uh, of course, this is this is your hometown. Uh, great shock in McCroom this morning. It is a massive shock and a, a tragedy for for family and for um, for neighbours there. Like you just wouldn't be expecting it um, in McCroom or in Carkery, and you know people have gotten a, an awful shock on it. You know. Uh, Would you know many people living in that area, Andreas? Oh yeah, I'd be well familiar with the Dan Carkery place, and like many of the families there there over many years and there'd be a good close community there that would have they'd all know one another and um, like it's not the kind of thing you would be expecting from uh, like that people are just shocked yeah Fiona Fiona was um, was describing it as being quite a, you know a, a settled uh, a state in that number of elderly people living there and people who I assume have lived there all of their lives probably raised their families that's right that's right people have been there many years and uh, you know, children grown up there, and it's a, a real mix of, of ages there, and a real broad and settled community, good close community spirit as well in Dan Crockett Place, and it's it's shocked people yeah. uh, that something like this would happen and that it would happen on their doorstep. 
Yeah, well, and it's an awful tragedy for the family themselves as well. Absolutely, yeah. and the Gardaí appealing for any any uh, witnesses, and we'll find out more, no doubt, when the Gardaí have that press briefing at uh, 12. Andreas, I appreciate that. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. We can hand us back just briefly uh, to Fiona Corcoran. Fiona, um, if, if, we, if the press briefing is at 12 o'clock, we mm-hmm. may get you before the close of the programme, if anything breaks at that, at that right, n- yeah, news yeah. conference. Okay, we'll talk yeah. a little bit later on. Thank you for that, Fiona. Okay. No, Thanks for that. Uh, that's our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, and uh, local Dáil deputy, Andreas Moynihan, also speaking to us. The Gardaí have set up an incident room at McCroom Garda Station. If you saw or know of anything that happened, um, as it was, it's the early hours of this morning, McCroom Gardaí, 026 205 Shocking, I think, for any... You know, t- to be living in a housing estate that you've lived in all of your lives and suddenly to go out and see, you know, the big, those white tents, you see it on TV, you don't expect to see it in your neighbourhood, that's for sure. OK, it is Budget Week happening this week. Heidi is raising an interesting issue that says uh, this, and I think it's one of the things in the budget that a lot of people are very worried about, and that is the carbon tax. And it looks like there is going to be an increase in carbon tax. Heidi says there is still, there's a lot being said about a carbon tax being introduced Used in the in the budget, and it could mean that a bag of coal will go up by about five uh, euro. What is this government playing at? They're looking for more money from the working guys and uh, gals, as if prices aren't high enough already. And with win- winter on the horizon, people will need coal for fires to keep them warm. Yet also, it's another tax we'll have to pay. Whether it's this government. Are this government listening to us is a big question to ask because if they are, it's our pockets they're hitting again and again and again. We can't keep absorbing all of these hikes in prices uh, also just before Christmas, which in itself will be another expense. Fuel also is going up here. Yes, I see in Luxembourg you can get a litre of fuel for 124 and the UK K fuel is coming down in price. The government have to start listening to us, says Heidi, or else they're going to have to go. You're not in your own this. I think the bulk of certainly texts and calls we got in last week, anytime we were doing anything to do with the budget, which of course is happening tomorrow, so we'll have more on the budget certainly this week. It's the carbon tax and people worried about fuel going up. People are very, very concerned about that. And actually a text in from a listener, and this, well it's to do with electricity, this time still fuel. I use very le- little electricity says this texter. It's mostly gas. My current bill for electricity is €23. Euro, but they've added €47 euro onto that. It's for the standing order VAT and some kind of levy. Is that not a bit much says this texture. Now, I don't know because I don't know if you you need to take out your last bill and compare it. Has it gone up previous to other bills? Is it always that charge? I mean, there's a lot on, unfortunately, there's a lot on your electricity bill before you ever start to use electricity. But it does seem crazy if you're only using €23 Euro worth of electricity and they've added an extra 47, which would mean more than double what you're using in electricity. You're you're using on standing orders, VAT and on levy. Seems bizarre indeed. 1850-333-103. Jump all taking your calls. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. We've already been talking about the 
sad, sad passing of mother of five, Emma Vic Mahuna, who bravely battled cancer after being caught up in this vital Czech scandal. And now uh, we move to the waiting time for the return of test results to women who have undergone cervical screening with cervical check can be as long as 17 weeks. The extent of the delay has been highlighted by West Cork Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, um, and Patricia, you know, Before we get into that, can I just add to your comments earlier about Emma Vickvahona? I think uh, we will always all remember her name and remember her. We'll remember her outgoing personality, her bravery, her openness, her love of family, and of course that red dress that, yeah. she, that she picked up her um, that she, that, that, time. that she wore to the High Court that day yes. decided because yeah, as she said I'm not going to be a victim yes yeah. yes and I, everyone this morning is saying that her biggest legacy will be that she will be remembered as a great mother and as a mother myself I certainly would settle for that legacy yeah and she so. and she would want no other legacy than that yes yeah, yes. bless her yeah. heart. God rest her. Ble- absolutely. Now, the this waiting time came to light because of a woman who contacted your office. Uh, and obviously, we're not going to give names or details of the woman in question, but just uh, outline what you discovered. Yeah, it was a very sad case, really, um, Patricia. So uh, this lady contacted my office on Wednesday morning. She had a test done 17 weeks ago. It came back as inconclusive, so it was recommended that she would uh, do another test, but was told that she may face another 17-week waiting list. So that's a potential eight months from the start. Now, coincidentally, Minister Harris was in before the Health Committee discussing Sloan to Care, so I took the opportunity to bring it up to him. And later on that day, I had the opportunity to discuss it on the floor of the Doyle with the Taoiseach. Now, the Taoiseach said to me that he thought this issue was largely resolved. But the more I have looked into it since, it's actually getting worse. The waiting lists are getting longer, not shorter. And then we also had the uh, breaking news on Friday where women who were previously diagnosed with a form of cancer but were never informed and they were contacted by the expert panel review led by the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And they had no idea that they... That had to be such a huge shock to to those women. But just go back to the wait times, because after the cervical cancer scandal arose and we had the likes of uh, Emma, Vic Mahuna, Lorta Marciner and Vicky Phelan and others come out um, and shine a spotlight on this scandal. Women then were offered an additional free smear test. Do you know, was anything put in place to cope with all of those extra tests? As far as I know, there wasn't. Uh, There was no extra staff, which is obviously the the first thing that should be done. So no great progress has been made. Now, as you know, Dr. Gabriel Scali, with the help of Dr. Karen Dinton, has um, issued what's called the Scali Review. And Dr. Scali is actually in before us in the Health Committee on Wednesday morning. So we will obviously be asking him, you know, about his 50 recommendations. And this uh, report came from the scoping inquiry, um, I suppose, when the controversy came to light after Vicky Phelan from County Limerick, along with her husband, Jim, uh, sued the health service executive, um, 
it was um, decided then that this review would be set up. And since then, it has emerged that well over 200 women with cervical cancer should have received treatment earlier than they did. Now, Dr. Scally... But, 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 beca- but because um, the story was highlighted, this, these stories were highlighted, it put the fear of God in every woman who had had a smear test, who got yes. a smear test back that said, oh no, everything's okay. So in order to instil some confidence, both in cervical check and to allay women's fears, we were told you could go get another smear test. But now yes. you're, you're saying there was no additional labs put in place to deal with the extra number of smears, which, by the way, are ongoing until the end of this year. You can go back for another free smear up to yes. the end, end of this year. So if they haven't put the systems in place to deal with the extra smears, then there's going to be more and more women like the woman you're talking about waiting up to eight months. Yes, absolutely. And the fear of the unknown is often worse than Bad news. So a thing, you know, that, that can be prevented, um, you know, st- to stop people having that worry of not knowing. There is nothing being done to allay their fears. So as the only female Oireachtas member in the whole of Cork, I am, like, going to fight tooth and nail that things are put in place. And, like, last Wednesday, the Taoiseach of the country said to me, and I quote, this issue is largely resolved. It's not. It is not. Now, I think it's not. And also, also, you can you can highlight to them. Remember, back in August, we heard that some of the smear samples had expired because they couldn't be read in time. And it seems I did some research on this over the weekend. They need to be read within six weeks in order to get to, to read the smear correctly so they don't expire it's got to be done uh, in six weeks so we had yes. these smears going off in August um, because they weren't read in time now you're hearing from, from from women who are just waiting an excessively long period of time I mean none yes. of these stories Margaret is instilling any kind of confidence in survival check are, are allowing women as you say not to have to worry Yes yeah no it is very important and I can't stress enough that women, you know, should definitely continue to have these tests because hopefully that things will get sorted out. But I am encouraging every single woman to please keep their appointments for their smear tests because it is really the only way forward. And hopefully this will all be sorted. And I am looking forward to what Dr. Scally has to say on Wednesday morning. And his 50 recommendations have been passed by Cabinet, but they just really need to go ahead and do it and, and, get, and get this sorted. OK, but as you say, go for your smear and also... Oh, the va- and actually, it was something Emma Vickvahuna Vic felt very strongly about. The two things was the, the HPV vaccine. She felt very yeah. strongly about that. And she also felt very strongly about people going for regular smears. Do not ignore uh, the smears. Uh, but if women are going along to get their smear test, then the least we can do, Margaret, is make sure that they're read within the correct period of time, that they're read correctly. And when you get a result, you know you can be confident with it. Yes. Yeah. OK. Well, we all women back. OK. All right. Listen, 
listen, keep us abreast on how you get on, uh, Margaret. In the meantime, thank you for that. Okay. And thank uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. Uh, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I can still see people having a huge amount of sympathy for Emma Vic Mahuna and wanting to wish her and her children all uh, the very best. John said, I listen to all the hypocrites who are passing on their sympathies. Um, I wish that they had looked after her while she was alive. I feel the government's past and present propaganda governments over the years don't care about any citizen in this country as this case is surely highlighting and uh, somebody else is saying why does it always seem to be women why does, does it when it comes to a health issue it seems to be women remember the 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 uh, anti-D injections oh god the blood yeah the blood cases and they hounding women on their deathbed that was predominantly female that particular case as well WhatsApping is in about the listener who got the electricity bill he uses very little electricity because they use more gas than electricity and they've only used 23 euro worth of electricity but the bill has come in and they've added an extra 47 euro standing order VAT and some levy and the person thinks that's a bit excessive double the amount of electricity that's been used has been charged for between standing orders VAT and uh, the levies uh, listener says I wonder is that a listener with Electric Ireland because I've got a vacant house and some time ago I got a bill. It's quite a high bill. I had to pay for Electric Ireland for under usage. There's an under usage levy that Electric Ireland have. I don't know if all of the other electricity companies have it or not so maybe it might be worth the our original listener switching if it is just something that Electric Ireland charge. So you need to see if it's an under usage level which seems very unfair. If you don't use enough they're going to charge you anyway. Okay we're going to take a break. We have news coming up at 11. We will have presidential candidate Sean Gallagher joining us in the next hour of the programme and also I'll be looking for your thoughts and uh, comments on members of the travelling community in County Tipperary the development of houses have been built for them 1.7 million has been paid on this development of very very nice fine looking houses but the, the members of the travelling community won't move in until they get a half acre of land with each house and stables to provide for their horses Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will Feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've had an email into Patricia at C103.ie hoping that somebody can help out with this. It's a gen- it is a man, isn't it? It's a gentleman who's contacted us because I know he doesn't want his name called out. It's a, it's a woman. It's a woman's contacted us. Sorry, she doesn't want her name ca- called out, which is fine. She had a Hodges... OK, what happened was this lady left a bag in the back seat of a local lady's car somebody from the Bantir area. The lady offered this other woman a lift when she arrived at Bantir train station. She was driving a red car. She can't recall the lady's name, but the lady's partner was involved in local GAA and community events because they obviously they were discussing that either on the train journey or in the car afterwards. Anyway, when... This lady got out of the car. She realised she left a bag, a Hodges Figgis paper bag containing important and significant personal items. And she left it in the back seat of the lady who offered the lift. She's hoping that that lady might be listening, might be a listener to C103. And if so, could she drop it into the radio station or local guard station or a post office for collection or anywhere that is convenient. But just let us know where you have dropped off the Hodges Figgis paper bag because we have all of the details from the lady who's trying to get it back. 
back. OK, so it was a good deed, somebody doing a good deed by offering somebody a, a lift. And obviously the person doing the good deed had has no way of contacting because she didn't know who the lady was to give her back this paper bag that she left in the car. Or the fact that it's in the back seat of the car, she might indeed, you know the way sometimes you don't even look at the back seat of the car, she might not even notice that there's a Hodges Figures paper bag that doesn't belong to her, that belongs to the lady who she offered a lift to. If that rings a bell with anyone, can you give us a call please? 1850-333-103. Now I'm looking and I'm already getting uh, calls and texts in on this. It is a story that is making all of the papers today to do with a group of families from the travelling community who are at the moment refusing to move into a 1.7 million euro development of brand new houses and they say they won't move in until the council builds stables and also provides land for their horses at each of the houses. Now the dispute is going on in it's outside Thurla, so it's in North Tipperary. Members of the an extended traveller community have been living in the area. They've been living in, in basically an illegal encampment for about 50 years now. Members of the family have been living uh, there. So obviously the council got into negotiation with them because they want this patch of land that the travellers are on. For whatever reason, they want it back. So... The Tipperary County Council got involved and agreed to build six houses and they're at the stage now and I've seen photographs, fabulous, like a little mini housing estate really, lovely looking uh, houses. There are two five bedroomed homes and then there's four three bedroomed houses all complete they're basically just uh, kind of on the snag list version of it now so they're basically ready to hand the keys over to the members of the travelling community so six families in total will move in to this lovely uh, little estate at the moment the travellers are living across the road but they say they're not going to move across the road to these brand new houses unless the council provide two stables and at least half an acre of land must be included behind each dwelling and they need that for the horses. All of the houses, by the way, they're detached. They've got concrete walls at the rear of the house. They have wooden fencing and they have this beautiful, I have to say, really gorgeous stone wall at the at the front. So, you know, as I say, it looks like a little private, little mini housing estate, really. And it just cost... Tipperary County Council, 1.7 million euro. Actually, it's cost more because that doesn't include VAT. The VAT is on top of it. Now, the dispute is going on there. Members of the McCarthy family, this extended members of the McCarthy family, who I say are indigenous to the area. They've been living in this area for 50 years. One of them is speaking in a lot of the papers today. One of the guys called uh, Philip uh, McCarthy. He says there was an agreement made with the council for two stables and a half an acre for the horses. But he says the council have left them down and it never came up with that. He's been living in the area for the last 40 years. And this, I think, is where the dispute is going to and who said what and who agreed to what. He's claiming that his late father, more than 10 years ago, agreed this with the council, that they'd move across the road if you build us houses, but you have to put a half an acre behind each of the six houses. And we also want uh, two stables as well. Council, obviously, are saying that was never part of their agreement. Members of the travelling community are saying the horses, they're our livestock, they're part of our culture and they are a big, big part of our lives. So they're saying we have to come up with some kind of an agreement or otherwise we are not going to move in. Where they are across 
across the road, they have paddocks and they have some kind of stables and stuff built themselves though some would say illegally built because they're obviously on land that doesn't belong to them but they're saying they're not moving into the new development until they get uh, what they want now they accept that it's a beautiful project they're very happy with the houses they love the houses all happy with the, with that but they said they don't they, they're now feeling that the council are trying to get them to drop their culture and throw it aside and they travelling community say that's a very hard thing to do it's in our lives going back for centuries that we keep horses so they say they're not moving in until the council do what they claim was agreed with the late father of this group who's dead now with the last um, died or that happened 10 years ago and he's passed away uh, since so I take it it must have been some kind of a verbal agreement uh, that he had so the council now are in dispute trying to decide what to do they have 12 horses seemingly adjacent to the dwellings that they're living in at the moment they're not into sulky racing though they say there's a quote from somebody who wants to remain nameless we leave that to the big boys there were about 50 or 60 people living in mobile homes there at one stage in various caravans but that has uh, come down in recent years but this McCarthy family have been living in the area for the last 50 years lovely houses they say you you couldn't ask for better but he said it's the ground that has let us down there's a meeting tonight of Tipperary County Council where it's going to get uh, discussed. I just, when 1.7 million have been spent building these six beautiful houses you just kind of think, lads, would you just hang on a tick? And firstly they were living across the road when these houses were were being built and when the stone walls were going up around the houses and the fencing was going up they they knew there and then that that each house wasn't going to be coming with a half an acre and there's very few houses today, can I say, coming with half an acre. I really think they are just losing the run of themselves. I think the council have gone above and beyond the call in housing them, particularly with the housing crisis going on at the moment and they're doing everything to try to house this family, all of these families and house them together and to build these brand new beautiful houses and because there's no stables or land for the horses. Uh, I mean, am I, am I missing something here? Uh, Nancy in Bantry says the cheek of them uh, lo- they're lucky to get houses and then they're wanting this they should not be offered anything more if I was in the council and had a power then I would take the houses back from them we have people screaming looking for houses at the moment and they seem to get everything for nothing these houses should now be given to those who really need uh, housing and they haven't moved in yet I mean they're, they're waiting on the final snag list to be done so they haven't moved in uh, to the houses uh, yet and actually I can see a number of people are saying the same, the same thing that these that the houses just simply shouldn't be given to them they should be giving the houses to somebody else uh, Noel says well if the travellers won't move in then send them on their merry way it's too much they're getting with no return to the state they're free loaders Freeloaders is all they are and everybody is sick to the teeth of them whining and moaning, says uh, Noel. Just take, do not give the houses uh, to them. Here we go again on the radio looking for housing and now others won't move in to new houses. Let them buy land and build the stables themselves. There are a lot of people who would love these houses. The members of the travelling community seem to look for look for everything for free they want everything for nothing thanking you that's from Eddie from Mahan a lot of people I have to say very very annoyed uh, about this Uh, sorry now says another texter but are these bloody people for real thousands of people looking for houses and they're looking for stables really 
Yeah, it just it doesn't sit well with me either. It really it's it's the most it's probably one of the most bizarre stories I've come across in a long, long time uh, with trying to house members of the travelling community. You would have thought they would be taking the hand and all off the council for brand new houses and all of them living together um, and like five bedroomed houses which are hard to come by but the fact that you know they've lived th- in this extended family obviously that again is something that the travelling community like to do they like to live with extended family so the council have facilitated that I mean there's not many of us as families could all say well we'll go to the council well I'd like my sister now to be living next door and sure my uncle Johnny uh, he's a great man and we've always lived near him could you build us houses so that all the family could live beside each other, you know. So I do. I really do think Tipperary County Council have gone above and beyond in trying to accommodate this family. But my God, if they give in on this and build stables and land, I think whoever made that point, uh, let them go. If you want land for your horses, then it is part of your culture. Nobody wants to take your culture away away from them. But provide for your own culture. Go and build your own stables. Go buy your own land uh, for your horses. You shouldn't be expecting the council to provide it uh, for you. Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. C103 Jobs. Uh, wanted an apartment complex manager that's in Mallow Town Centre. Padre Pio Nursing Home in Churchtown, they've got a vacancy for a healthcare assistant. And the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale, they've got vacancies for a receptionist full and part-time. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie Less than three weeks to go to the presidential election. All six candidates are attempting to cover as much ground as possible looking for your vote. Businessman Sean Gallagher who was on his second attempt to get elected joins me this morning to outline why he should be the next president of Ireland. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning Patricia. Nice to be with you. Uh, Well you're welcome to the programme. How is the campaign going so far? The campaign is going, picking up speed now as more and more people in the electorate begin to get uh, involved and engaged with uh, the various candidates and our vision for the next seven years. And uh, I was delighted to be in Cork uh, just before the weekend there, Friday and Thursday. We were down in Kinsale and uh, we started off actually in Castle Magna where Trish, uh, my wife and I got married. Trish is from Cantork, so that's where we kicked off in Castle Magna and Cantork got a great reception and down to Kinsale and then Cork City and Mallow and McCroom. And so great and great to be in Cork. And uh, I, I lived for a couple of years after the last election in Cork where our firstborn Bobby was born in CUH. So um, Cork is a place uh, which is, is, has adopted me very kindly and I get a great reception. And, and is, is the campaign this time very different or very similar to 2011? I think it's uh, it's shorter in that we, we knew the last election, obviously, with Mary McAleese stepping down, um, that it was a sh- it was a, we had a longer lead in. So it's a shorter campaign. But like all campaigns, it's only in the last few weeks as we begin to engage and the media debates uh, begin to take place. And uh, then all the candidates uh, outline, we all outline our vision for the next seven years and the skill sets we bring and more importantly our vision of what we would like to actually achieve in the seven years and that's really where I'm looking forward now Patricia and and saying you know not what I want to do but that in seven years time if I was uh, finishing my term if honoured to be elected what would I like to have achieved 
and how would I like to have helped the people of Ireland? And I've identified a number of key areas in addition to the ceremonial role and in addition to the protection, guardian, protector of the Constitution. There are a number of key areas that I'm really passionate about based on my own life experience and one of those is the area of disability. Okay, and, and I will I will talk about those, but I just, I just briefly first, I just want to look back before we look forward uh, because I, I want to go back to 2011 just for a moment. What was it like for you and Trish in the days, weeks and months following the election in, in 2011? What, I mean, you mentioned that, that you spent some time in Cork. Was it very difficult to bounce back after what happened? It was. It was a different, difficult ending to the election um, and it did take some time. And like every, you know, I had explained uh, that I had stepped back from all my business interests. And like many people in the country, Patricia, who have ever started over again, you know, there is there is a challenge and you have to dig deep and you have to rely on resilience and uh, all of that. But we got great support from uh, from our family and friends and the communities in which we lived. And, and that was just terrific. Um, and, you know, Thankfully, over those intervening years, we've been busy and worked hard. And um, and now I, I move forward to 2018, having learned the lessons from 2011, uh, but not looking back, only looking forward. You didn't take part in, in the first radio uh, debate. I mean, that whole frontline tweet gate, has it dented your confidence when it comes to doing those live debates? No, not at all, because uh, the... The issue about the debates, and I was very clear at the first one, is that I stepped in, you know, genuinely to defend the president because I felt that RTE should have checked the schedule, <clears throat> excuse me, before setting out dates to which the president just couldn't attend. And so this is an unusual presidential election in that we not only have six candidates, but one of them is the incumbent of the office uh, to which we all aspire. And I thought it was important. Uh, as I did in 2011, that every single candidate uh, is included. And so I, I, I said clearly that you know, I, I wanted to be an, 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 and was anxious and keen to be involved in all the debates to outline our vision. And there are two purposes of these debates, as I see them. One is for the electorate to hear the vision of each candidate for the next seven years of a changed Ireland with new challenges, but also equally that both the electorate and the media get an opportunity to scrutinise all candidates equally. And so it's now, I think, un- un- unfortunate and very disappointing uh, that the president is limiting himself to a number of debates. And I believe, you know, there is no better debater in political life than Michael D. Higgins, having given his lifetime to public service. So he, he, he wanted a contest in terms of a debate. And I, I can only presume that it's his, his team that are sheltering him from these debates. Uh, well, th- this election is his to lose. I mean, are those around him, or has he himself decided it's his to lose, that he's protecting himself? Well, I can't imagine it's Michael D. Higgins doing that because he's always been a keen debater. So I'm presuming that it's those around him who are sheltering him from, from, from hard questions and from the debates. And I've been very, very clear. In 2011, uh, it was proposed by Michael D. Higgins himself that I would enter a two-person debate with him and I, I ruled that out of order because I felt that that was unfair and not inclusive of the other candidates. And this is the very same principle now. Whoever becomes president will have to promote the value of in- inclusivity. And I believe that the process, therefore, by which any of us become president must also be based on that very same value of, of inclusivity. And I think, truthfully, I think his team, if that's what they're doing, I think it's demeaning of Michael D. Higgins himself. I think it's demeaning of the office of president. 
I think it's demeaning of all the candidates and certainly it's demeaning of the electorate. Would you now call on Michael D. Higgins to do a one-on-one debate with you? Well, I wouldn't. I mean, what I say is we've got to be inclusive. That would be unfair on all the other candidates and it would be unfair on the electorate to hear everybody. So I think for debates to be inclusive, everybody needs to be uh, included so that we hear everybody's view and their vision for Ireland, but also uh, that everybody is scrutinised fairly and equally. Okay, what is your vision for Ireland? What is your vision for the presidency? And it's the first thing people say, Patricia, is that, well, sure, the role is only ceremonial and you can't do anything with it. And I totally, I totally uh, uh, object to that as a view. I believe there is so much that we can use the role for, just like Mary Robinson, you know, was the first time I became, you know, interested in, 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 the, in the presidency. When I saw she took an office, which up to that point traditionally had been a retirement hole, home for elderly male politicians. And she didn't allow herself to be constrained by that tradition, but in fe- instead redefined the role. I'd like to move the role on even further. And I'm not a politician, and therefore I'm not constrained with that thinking. There are a couple of key areas in addition to the, obviously, the constitutional uh, per- protection role and that is uh, the area of disabilities the area of communities and volunteerism the area of the northern ireland and progressing uh, you know the unification of the people of this island and also helping to drive the agenda now on the back of brexit to continue to help you know uh, uh, counties like cork that need further foreign direct investment but also the companies in cork who need new markets opened up now on the back of of, of the challenges facing Brexit. And on the disability issue, which is close to my heart, I grew up visually impaired, so I struggled throughout my childhood, and, and, but I've never allowed myself to be defined by any limitations. But I know, having spent a lot of time as an advocate for those with a disability, is that we need to make sure, if I could look back, Patricia, in seven years' time and say that I had helped, along with many others, change the perception that we have in this country towards those with disabilities, that we don't just see their disabilities, but we see their ability. And that those who have a disability, if I could help encourage along with others and empower those who have a disability to step forward in, in, the, in the knowledge that they have a right to live their life to the fullest of their ability, whatever that level is. I also want to help communities. I come as a professional former youth worker in our communities working with Perot again, you know, disadvantaged young people or young people from disadvantaged areas and, and volunteerism to recognise the effort in every single parish and community across the island where people are coming together, whether it's tidy towns or the local football club or the boxing club or athletics, whatever it might be, that volunteerism of taking care of our community, that is, I think, the very best of what we do. Also, on, on, on the United Ireland front, I know there's been a lot of debate. Our constitution is clear that we must move towards the unification of the island. But before we do that, we have to draw inspiration from what Mary McAleese and indeed Martin McAleese did behind the scenes, building relationships one-on-one with communities, youth groups, sports groups, business linkages. And I was honoured to uh, be appointed by the government uh, to the board of Intertrade Ireland, the north-south trade body under the Good Friday Agreement. And that was about building linkages on this island as an economy. It's, it makes no sense you know, that we have people living south of the border exporting to the UK or to the US. 
but not exporting, you know, five miles up the road into Newry or Oma, Oma or into Belfast. So we need, but this work must start with building relationships that lay down the foundation of trust. Do you, do you believe communities and then talk about unification of territory? Do you believe we'll see a united Ireland in your life in your lifetime? I absolutely do believe we'll see a united Ireland in my lifetime. But that work must begin now. And it is really about building relationships where each tradition, all traditions feel that they would be included and welcome and that we can all live in harmony together. I mean, I drew recently Arlene Foster's comments uh, and I, I, I made the point that Arlene Foster grew up less than 20 miles from where I lived. But I would never, ever, the circumstances would never have allowed Arlene Foster and I to ever meet until I sat as, uh, on the board of the North South Trade Body and met her then. Because while geographically she was closest to me in territory, in everything else we were worlds apart, our life would never, our lives would never have crossed. We need to create opportunities where the linkages happen, where people are in school together, whether in community organizations and um, where business is, is, is creating linkages and also north and south. That is, I think, the foundation. But we must lead by example. And I want to do that because that's the area from which I come. I, I saw the reality of the, uh, of the Ireland I lived in along the border north and south before the Good Friday Agreement and after the Good Friday Agreement. And I want to make sure, too, to support the work of the government you know, in the talks with Brexit and moving forward. We need to continue to keep the relationships with our neighbours in the UK strong because that's important for our economy okay. and also because okay, just, for our neighbours. Just a very quick couple of uh, questions from listeners. Lehman from Moy, the presidential salary of €325,000 a year too high, along with the unedited uh, allowance of 317000 What's Sean's view on the presidential salary? I have said that, uh, and in, indeed Mary McAleese set this bar, that she took a very a reduced salary and, you know, uh, whatever the government sets is fine, but I would absolutely take the reduced salary. I think that's an important example to set. With regard to the, the um, unaudited accounts, I think most of us were shocked to learn uh, through the work of the uh, Public Accounts Committee that this fund existed and that it had, most shockingly had not been audited for a number of years. I've said clearly... Uh, that I think it should be audited and all public money, which after all is taxpayers' money, should be not only audited, but should be fully transparent where the money is going for, because after all, it's the people's money uh, and we need to make sure that the people have faith and trust in terms of where that money has been spent. OK, and Maura Mbantir says, well done on not using election posters. If you're elected, would you try to get the all of the other political partners Parties not to use them in all elections going forward. I don't and know if that's a role for the president. It, but it, well, it is, I think, and again, it's back to to you know, tomorrow and Ballantyre. It's about leading by example. In 2011, I didn't use posters. Yeah. This time, I'm not using posters, and a number of other candidates are now following suit. I mean, I and I know Ballantyre well, and when I'm down there, you know, in Cantork, I often run around that lovely football field around <laughs> the, the lake that they have yeah. done. I know the work that community groups do. Uh, and we, we, you know, we don't need a blight on our landscape against these groups that are doing great work for their communities and also for those who visit. But also, we all have a responsibility to protect our environment, and it's incumbent on all of us, you know, to lead by example. And and, and I'm glad others have. And I think it's something we should move away from. Plastic posters, 
which are just literally damaging and detrimental to our environment and, and a blight on our land. And those cable ties that they leave behind. Listen, uh, Sean, we leave it there. Can we wish you the very best of luck in the presidential uh, election? Thank you for joining us on the programme this Thank morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good to be with you. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Independent uh, candidate Sean Gallagher. 1850-333-103. John Paul uh, taking your calls. After 12, by the way, we will be looking for two players to join us on a brand new competition that we are launching today. We've teamed up with Dana Centre and Maxwell Sport Glen in Mallow. They're celebrating 30 years servicing the community. I will be reading out a shopping list, my shopping list for the day. 20 items that I need you to purchase uh, if you're popping into your local centre. You will have 30 seconds then to remember as many items on my shopping list as you can. And you will be up against another listener. Whoever gets the most on my shopping list will win the daily prize of a €100 Euro Centre gift card and a €50 Euro Maxell gift card. And we will be doing that in the next hour. Thanks to Dano Centre and Maxall and Spa Glen. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'll bring you all you need to know every morning and plenty of Cork's greatest hits. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all new Cork's More Music breakfast weekday 6 to 10 only on C103 I'm just on the presidential election and the fact that we mentioned about the no posters uh, Sean Gallagher has opted not to put up posters as has um, all but two the only two putting up posters are Michael D and Leonie Rhea that was first out of the blocks with her posters I have to say uh, Anne in Enniskeen that says I was travelling to Cork yesterday and I saw an election poster in Inna Shannon for Michael D Higgins but it had the Labour logo on it and was reddish in colour I thought Michael D was going as an independent this time round or am I wrong when I was driving into Bishopstown then I saw signs for Michael D but they were in black so they didn't have any Labour signs uh, maybe political parties are not part of this and this is the reasons I don't see many uh, party logos on posters. Well, no, none of the other political parties, the only political party running a candidate uh, is Leonie Weirder. Now, I saw posters from Michael D. Higgins, but I'm going to have to look at them again. I'm wondering, because you're describing two different posters, one with Labour on it and one without Labour on it. I wonder, are the ones with Labour on it from the presidential campaign in 2011 and they're just reusing the posters for the sake of the environment because all of the other candidates, the three dragons, and sorry for referring to that, but you know who I'm talking about, and uh, Joan Freeman, they've all opted not to use posters. Sean Gallagher didn't use posters in 2011. But I'm wondering, is Michael D being just a bit frugal in the cost of the posters? And is he just using posters from the last time out? Because... As far as I know, and John Paul is checking it, is he not running as an independent candidate? And hence the reason that he's got the backing of all of the other main political parties who, when Michael D said he'd run for a second term, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael uh, and Labour said they wouldn't put a candidate up against him. Obviously, Labour weren't going to put a, can- a candidate up against him. But Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael agreed and they are supporting him instead. So I would have thought from that that he would run then as an independent candidate. We're going to get it uh, checked. Um, Margaret says, I think Sean Gallagher would make a wonderful president. Enjoyed his interview. He certainly can speak. And Jared says, morning, Patricia, on the presidential election. I don't blame Michael D for not going on to the Clare Byrne show. The live audience format 
and the show's reputation was seriously damaged by the shambles we'll all remember for the eighth referendum's so-called debate. Michael D has agreed to go on TV3 and RTE with debates, says Jarrett, but he's opted not to do uh, the rest. Yeah, I mentioned that when I was chatting with uh, Sean Gallagher. It is Michael D's, this this election is Michael D's to lose. He is way ahead on all of the opinion polls. I mean, if you're to believe the opinion polls, he's going to win by a landslide. But a week out from the 2011 election, if the opinion polls were to be believed, Sean Gallagher was going to win by a landslide. And we know what happened with uh, Tweetgate. So anything can happen. So, you know, I think Sean Gallagher is right. I think Michael D. Michael D is, is a great debater. I can't see him walking away from a debate. But I think the people around him are saying, you know, we've all learned a lesson what happened with Sean Gallagher. We're not going to let the same thing happen to uh, Michael D. 1850-333-103. Now, let me move to a completely different topic because next Friday, the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandham will be the venue for a health and well-being evening organised by the local Bandham Co-op and the National Dairy Council. I'll be your MC for the evening and joining me to outline what people can expect is Caroline O'Donovan of the end of the National Dairy Council, who are one of the lead organisers of the event. Good morning to you, Caroline. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. So is the idea for next Friday night to try to get the message across to people that you need to look after your body and your mind? Exactly. Um, so we've been running a good few of these now for the last number of years, all in different parts of the country. And we're delighted to be down in Bandon this Friday. And exactly that. So we have Paula Mee. She's an independent dietitian. And she's going to be exploring um, foods uncovered, common myths um, and kind of fads and kind of setting us straight on what exactly we need to know about healthy eating. And then so that's going to after our nutrition side of things. Um, also, we'll have a cookery demo by Derval, which obviously links into the cookery or the nutrition side as well. And she'll be doing some really tasty recipes. We've had tomato soup, her brown bread. We have a burrito bowl that she's going to do for us as well. And then we have psychologist Shane Martin um, exploring five tips to help you embrace a better quality of life, which just sounds fantastic. And, you know, it's really a formula that works, you know, to kind of explore our body, our mind, and um, see how we can live a bit better, you know, and a bit healthier. And of course, we have you um, doing the MC, which is fantastic. Cause I know you you did you MC'd at a, a previous event, and um, it yeah, was we did we, we did one in in, in Cantork a number of years. Any how yeah. many years ago was that? Oh, I I think that was it could be five plus. Oh my god, um, how, yeah, the, how, the year, how the years are flying! But the, yeah. but they're lovely relaxed evenings uh, where yeah. people can sit and chat afterwards, Absolutely. and 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 you give a gift bag as well to encourage people to come along. Yeah, that's it. So it's it's exactly that. It's a get together. It's um, you know, you're going to learn something, but you're going to also be entertained. Like even in the sense of obviously, um, Paula has such a great way about her. She's very informative, but we'll give it. Uh, you know, the slides in front of me here, and they're fantastic. They're just snappy to the point. Real take home messages. Nothing too scientific, or you know, that you'll need a pen and paper to write this stuff yeah. down. Nothing like that. And then our psychologist Shane Martin, he he brings a good bit of humour in in to us as well which obviously you know mental health it's not a humorous topic but it's it's certainly something that um you know it really does help deliver the message because he relates to exactly what we all think and um you know just kind of says look 
everybody might be feeling this way and um you know just give us some some tips around that but absolutely we have the free gift bag which is which is great there's a magazine in there there's pens there's and then band and co-op are given some products as well, well done. and 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 Dervil O'Rourke as you say is doing the cookery demonstration I mean Dervil well known as a, a world champion and, and a, an Olympian Olympic athlete but she's a real passionate foodie yes absolutely and um, so I mean in 2014 she kind of went decided to hang up her spikes for good and then she went and um, you know kind of broke into this whole foodie cookbook area and her recipes are fantastic there's nothing you won't find in the cupboard or the local supermarket you know it's just basic hearty food um, and really really healthy as well which is just fantastic to see Um, and she's fantastic people people travel far and wide can see her um, cookery demos as well and it's great obviously she's a Cork native so I'm, I'm sure she's getting a, a lot of interest there from, and, it's, from and she's inspirational as well I mean she, she really is uh, is inspiration and the good news is and something that um, I'm really happy about on the night that the proceeds uh, all money's raised is going to the West Cork Rapid Response it is Patricia and I have to have to mention the wonderful Kate Crowley and she's Beth Hennessy <laughs> they're mighty I women just, I, I could stay on the line now next to half an hour talking about them. Do you know what? The, the thing that works with these events is we have the formula, we have amazing speakers, we have the gift bags, we have everything. If the charity aren't passionate or if the com- community don't get behind the charity, um, you know, the, the, that dictates the turnout. And we actually, as of this morning, the lovely case told me that we've sold out. Uh-huh. So <laughs> we have 370 um, tickets sold. So, I mean, uh, you know, I just would encourage those who have bought to, if they can't go, to, to pass them on to people yeah. who might want to go. And also those who are collecting on the night to maybe arrive. We, we were saying doors around seven, but we might push that back to half six just to collect your tickets and get your refreshments and then go in and enjoy the show um, but it's it's just been it's been an absolute sellout and I it's true no, nothing other than the hard dedication and work and obviously such an important integral charity to the community Yeah they're, they're, they're a charity that are loved by everybody in West Cork but you're right Kate and Betty put the work in behind the scenes because I know I mentioned a few weeks ago that they'd set up a stall in the supermarket to sell the tickets uh, for the event and then we were encouraging people to get your tickets early so you wouldn't be disappointed and I was hoping at some stage this week uh, it was actually the day of the event I was hoping I'd be able to announce all the tickets are gone so I'm thrilled to be able to do it at the start of the week so that's great that's great so we're looking forward to it it's going to be a fantastic night in the Munster Arms Hotel in uh, Bandon snooze you lose if you didn't get your ticket too late folks too late Caroline I'll see you at the event on Friday and uh, thanks a million thanks a million God bless bye bye that is uh, Caroline O'Donovan who puts by the way I should also say puts an awful lot of work into organising this event and it'll be a fun night out and if you're one of the ones going along I look forward to meeting you on uh, Friday night Michael D. Higgins John Paul tells me was president of the Labour Party from 2003 to 2011 when he resigned following his election as president of Ireland so he is no longer a card carrying paid up member of the Labour Party I'm assuming what has happened is and we will get it checked maybe by getting on to Michael D's uh, handlers 
I would say they're just using old posters. I would say rather than because certainly the poster I saw is a newer version of a poster because it's quite his almost his whole body is in it. It's like a long version of, you know, usually the posters are kind of head and shoulders. This is about as much as you get. This is quite a lengthy poster was the one I saw. And certainly it was a new looking poster. The one, though, that's been described to me there, the older one in the red that Anne and Enniskeen saw, I bet you, are posters from 2011 that they're just reusing. We'll get on to the Michael D's team and get it checked for you. But well spotted, and well spotted. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of calls and texts coming in on different issues. Let me start with some of your thoughts coming in about the passing of Emma Vic Mahuna, mother of five, bravely, bravely, bravely battled uh, cancer and caught up, sadly, in the cervical check scandal. She's a young woman of 47, leaving behind those five beautiful children. It's just so sad. Uh, Jimmy in Bantry says, Patricia, may I start by sending my sympathy to the family of the late Emma Vic Mahuna, who had such great courage and steely determination. We will have to listen to, in adverted commas, politicians now talking about new programmes to be set up in the health service. All well and good, but uh, sadly too late for poor Emma. Do these same politicians express kudos for this? Well, not on my shift. Those same politicians would have the audacity and the mandacity to attend the this woman's funeral to press the flesh while probably claiming expenses for their day or days out. As a cancer survivor, I find it nauseous to think politicians of all parties have the gall to do such things. I know how hard it will be for Emma's children without a mother as I also had the same situation when my mother died, I being the youngest of 11. And social services, not the way they are now. Neighbours were an integral part of life in those days, back in the 60s. Sorry if I seem to be ranting on, but this is the way I see it. And if I've ruffled feathers, so be it. That is my intention. Patricia, again, my sympathy to Emma's children and her good friends and her neighbours, uh, says Jimmy and Bantry. Yeah, well, well put, uh, Jimmy. And I think anyone who lost a parent when they're younger and particularly to lose a mother will be able to identify with it. And I know when she spoke about worried that her little two-year-old son would never remember her, I, that broke my heart because I lost my dad when I was three. I would have been three in the April and he died in the September and I'm the second youngest of, of five children. And I have no memories. I have no living memories of him. I have a vague recollection, but I think it was more to do with people telling a story of something that happened uh, on, on a particular day. And my youngest brother, who was the youngest, was 18 months and he no memories uh, at all. The only thing, I think, because Emma's left such a legacy behind and there's all those wonderful footage of her on various TV programmes and on radio shows that, you know, where all of her children will see while they mightn't have the memories of being tucked into bed by by mummy and what she did for them. And, you know, they, they will at least be able to see her almost come to life out of the, the TV screen. Not the same, though. Absolutely not the same. And no amount of money in the world, even though she set up the fund so well for them, but no amount of money in the world will replace that love and kindness and having your mother there when you come home from school and when you fall over and 
you break your heart for the first time and uh, the boys when they'll walk down the aisle and her only daughter will never have uh, her mother with her when she goes to say yes to the dress for her wedding or when her Debs is coming up there's just so many occasions that she won't be around for it's just it's dreadful and as I say even though 7.5 million they financially are set up for life but they would hand every single cent of that back to have Emma back with them Okay, some more just on the money one Patricia, we're also saddened to hear of Emma's passing. May she rest in peace. Will her children get the full financial payout or will the government rob them by way of inheritance tax now? I remember back at the time when Emma received that money back last summer and that famous day that we watched her in the beautiful red dress in the High Court. She brought up the issue of inheritance tax and she raised the issue of whether they'd have to pay inheritance tax or not. So I don't know. I, I, I simply, I don't know the answer. And I just, while the news was on, I did a, a quick search online to see if I could find anything other than Emma raised it back in July saying she doesn't want her, her children paying any inheritance tax and it was one of the things she did on one of her Facebook live posts. I remember her uh, talking about it but I don't know what came out of it in the the end. I mean, I'm sure the money's been invested and put into trust funds in such a way. So I take it if it has got into trust funds already, then surely they won't have to pay. But it would just be, uh, I, I don't think anyone in the country would accept if a red cent is taken away from those children. So at the end of the day, the government didn't pay the money. She sued the lab. So it ha- hasn't cost the government uh, anything. So please, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on it because I, I guarantee you it will go. You will hear about it. It will go public if because the family, whoever t- decides to look after Emma's kids will certainly will mention if any of the money is taken away by way of inheritance tax. And in morning, Patricia, very saddened to hear of the passing of Emma Vic Mahuna. Vic Mahuna, may she rest in peace, thinking of her five beautiful children and other family members at this sad time. What a brave, selfless, beautiful person. I think every county should hold a mass for this incredible woman. She has touched everyone. And that's signed a fellow daughter of Ireland. I think she will be... She and she is already in and since the news broke yesterday she's in so many people's thoughts and prayers and you know with people lighting candles and people will go to mass and will say masses uh, for her and if you could pray if you could pray a pathway to heaven she's well prayed prayed there at this stage because it's just the outpouring the outpouring of love and sympathy from all over the country is just incredible I, I can't remember another death that has to- so touched so many people as the death of Emma Vic Mahuna so thank you that's just a sample of some of the calls and texts that we've received in uh, today and just while we're on about people praying and wanting masses said for Emma somebody says Patricia if anybody's looking for Sacred Heart lamps there's a shop selling them in Killarney across from Pennies because I don't know how many shops today are still selling uh, Sacred Heart lamps there's usually a small little shop in every town and village used to sell them but you're probably right most of them have probably uh, closed. On the Labour Party now the Labour Party backing Michael D Higgins and we have put a feeler out to, we've sent an email off to his people to find out what's going on with uh, we are getting sightings of posters with Labour on it. Dan says, Patricia, I'm sure that I heard in the radio at the weekend that the Labour Party have decided to support Michael D. Higgins and a figure of 74k was mentioned, €74,000 to help as part of his campaign. We'll look into that. Thank you for that. Uh, Michael and Bantry was listening to Sean Gallagher talking 
about why he wants to be elected as the next president of Ireland and he mentioned disability because he is uh, visually impaired he's got very little sight My, and that's prompted Michael to say I think the word disability is the wrong phrasing and it's labelling of people I think challenged by life would be better would other people agree with that I also do not like the word rehab or rehab care they should change their name Rehab Care are a fine organisation I don't know why you're against the name of the organisation but the word disability I think the whole PC thing has gone gone wrong, gone bananas. Actually, I was only talking about this this morning about Marsha, my daughter, and it's funny that Sean Gallagher mentions he's visually impaired. My daughter has absolutely no sight at all. I mean, it is she's in complete. De- blackness, there's nothing. Both of her retinas are underdeveloped and uh, detached so she has no sight at all. Um, by I should, if I'm talking about her, use the phrase and I've been, I've been in situations where I've been corrected when I say my daughter who's blind and I'm told well she's visually impaired. I don't in any way take offence to somebody calling my child blind because she is blind. But because of the, you know, we're all gone so politically correct, I meant to talk about my visually impaired daughter who also is deaf, but I'm not allowed to say that. She's hearing impaired. So my visually impaired, hearing impaired child. But then funny enough, I can use the phrase deaf blind. That's accepted, although not recognised in this country. But if I'm if I'm talking individually about her visual impairment, I shouldn't say blind. Or if I'm talking about her being having a hearing loss, I shouldn't use deaf. It just it drives me, it drives me cracked. It just drives me cracked. And someone else wants to wish best of luck to uh, Sean Gallagher. I won't be voting though in this election says Maura. No offence, Sean. But they're all just fat cats wanting more, says Maura. So not voting at all. So you're putting Michael De Higgins in with that as well. And then Maura wants to also pick up on the story I did about the members of the travelling community. These are members of the McCarthy family. They are 50 years or more living uh, just outside of Thurlis. The council want to move them from the ele- in temporary settlement that they've had for the last, it's made up of mobile homes and they've obviously put structures up for the horses, kind of stables and whatever. Tipperary County Council want them moved off this settlement, this illegal halting site that they've had for the last 50 odd years. So in order to do it, they struck a deal with them and they've built them houses and they've built them six super, super looking houses with gorgeous stone walls out to the front, little fences around the houses. They're all on their own, little patches, all of the houses. They're not semi-detached. They're actually detached houses. There's two of them are five bedroomed houses and three of and the other four are three bedroom houses. They're all members of an extended family. So they have their their own little housing estate. Everything's going well. They're down to the snag list. Beautiful footpaths outside as well. Really stunning looking estate. And other families are refusing to move in uh, until the council put in stables. And each house, they're saying, must come with at least half an acre of land to be included behind the dwelling so they can put their horses there. Are they losing the run of themselves? Uh, Maura says, uh, Patricia, I think I've heard it all now. Stables? Wow. What a great country we live in. Donald says, why should the council, using our hard-earned money, build houses for these people and then they won't take the houses because there's no stables, no land at the back, the council should sell them on and put manners on these people, says uh, Donal. Well, a lot of other people are saying not sell them on. Another, uh, a lot of people are saying don't move them in. 
offer them to people on the council housing list because Tipperary County Council, like Cork County Council, Kerry County Council, Galway County Council, every other council in the country has a huge waiting list for houses. Offer the houses to somebody else. That's plain and simple what people are saying. John and Carrie Galine says, Patricia, any chance you do a text poll? Who thinks the travellers should get the new homes? Yes or no? Says John and Carrie Galine. I tell you, John, there would be no point doing it because I could almost tell you now what the results of that text would be. Judging by the amount of texts, I can't see any. I'm going scrolling down through as many of them as they can. I can't find any who are saying that the travellers are right. This is part of their culture. They need to have stables for their horses. They need to have land for the horses. I can't find anybody saying Tipperary County Council are wrong on this. And Audrey also makes an interesting point. If farmers or anybody wanted land for animals, you have to go out and buy it yourself. Would you tell those members of the travelling community, please, to get a life? We all have to pay our own way. And that's from Audrey. As I say, just a sample of the many, many texts that are coming into us. I can see some questions coming in from Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, because Annalise wasn't with us last week. So this is her first Monday of the month. So she is answering questions. So you dictate what you want Annalise to talk about today. So I can see some questions coming in already. So if you have a question for Annalise, our nutritional therapist, get it in either to John Paul, 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 086 uh, to 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Community Council meeting in Botford that's due to be held uh, tonight, that's been cancelled due to a bereavement. Kilbritton Ladies Club are hosting Chef and I won't even try and pronounce his name, of the Mountain House in Ardfield for a seafood cookery demonstration. That's on tonight in Kilbritton Hall. Starts at 8. All are welcome. Middleton Parish Mission. That began on Sunday last and it will run until Friday the 12th. Mission sessions every evening at half past seven in the Holy Cross Church with early morning masses. Also, full details at the local church. And Arts and Crafts commences at two o'clock today. This is Donrail Active Retirement, followed by Go for Life exercises. Tim Coughlin will give a talk on fire safety and safety in the home. Okay, if you want to take part in our competition for Dana's Centra and Maxall, we need two callers to contact us now, please. We will go for, because they're going to be our guinea pigs, we'll go for early callers on this one, uh, John Paul. Let's go for caller three and caller four to get through to 1850 You come online, uh, why we'll call out a shopping list of 20 items and then you've got 30 seconds to try to remember as many of the shopping lists on my items are many items on my shopping list today and which uh, whichever gets the highest uh, will win a 100 euro Centra gift card and a 50 euro Maxol gift uh, card. We're giving those gift cards away every day. That's thanks to Dano's Centra and Maxol Spa Glen Mallow celebrating 30 years serving the community. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103
C103, home of Cork Today with Patricia Messenger. Weekday mornings from 10. This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Okay, and we're running a competition right across this week in association with Dano Centre and Maxall Spall Glen and Mallow. They're celebrating 30 years serving the community and they have very kindly given us daily prizes worth €150. Euro. It's made up of €100 Euro Centra gift card and a €50 Euro Maxall gift card and our first uh, listener to play this week is Mary Lynch from Ballangiri. Good afternoon to you Mary. Hello, how are you? Uh, you? You're totally our guinea pig because you're the first contestant to play. How are you doing today? <laughs> I, I don't like to be first. Ah, you'll be fine. You'll do, you'll do absolutely yeah, I'm fine. Great, I'm great, okay, great, thank you. I have got 20 items on my shopping list. I'm going to call out the 20 items and then you will have 30 seconds when I start the clock to call recall as many of the items on my shopping list. Yes, Okay. I'll do what I can. Okay, here we go for Mary Lynch in Ballingiri. What's on my shopping list? I've got carrots, bread, tea, grapes, marshmallows, nuts, pies, asparagus, eggs, flour, ice, lamb chops, limes, rice, sugar, water, orange juice, ham, kale and dog food. Mary Lynch in Ballangiri. I am going to start the clock and you are underway. Go. Yeah, uh, carrots, asparagus, milk, bread, flour, water, um, um, me, um, ham, eggs, uh, eggs. Um, oh God, I'm gone black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't think of any more of them. It's harder than you think, isn't it? It's harder than you think. It's the devil. Okay, and you even put milk in there, and milk wasn't on the list, unfortunately. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. You got six. So I had tea, sugar. I have all Okay, stay there. Stay there. I'm going to pop you back on hold because I need to go to Noreen Buckley, who is in Ahabolic, is online five. Uh, good, good afternoon to you, Noreen. Hello, Patricia. How are you today? Okay, did you hear Mary? I did. Okay, she got six. Am I confirming six with John Paul? Six out of ten. Okay, you've got a different shopping list. Same rules apply for you. I will call out the 20 items and then you have to recall as many in the 30 seconds. Okay. okay. All right. On the shopping list for Noreen in Ahabolic, bananas, turkey burgers, fish fingers, onions, shampoo, mushrooms, potatoes, chicken, Watermelon, queen cakes, lentils, garlic, apples, dried fruit, honey, jelly, ice cream, red peppers, yogurts and vinegar. Okay, Noreen Buckley in Ahabolic. Let's hit the clock. You're underway. Go. Onions, shampoo, mushrooms, and... Garlic, honey, lentils, jelly, ice cream, dried fruit, um, turkey burgers, um, oh dear God, um, vinegar, peppers, jelly, garlic. Um, well done. <laughs> 
One, two, three. You're repeating there at the end, but that doesn't matter. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Noreen has done really well. Mary, she's well beaten you. Well, <laughs> double figures. Double figures. Well done. Listen, Mary, thank you for playing, by the way. Yes, right. uh, and enjoy, have a lovely, uh, enjoy the rest of your day in Ballangiri. Uh, Noreen, well done to you. You are our first winner. Um, and I also feel sorry for the first play in a new competition because they are the guinea pigs. So you've won a 100 euro Centra gift card and a 50 euro Maxol gift card. Thank you very much. Happy with that? I'm shaking here. The phone <laughs> is going 19 in my hand. Well, well done. A good start to the week for you. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Uh, Noreen Buckley in Ahabolic. So that's how the competition works. We'll have two more shopping lists for you tomorrow. Your chance to compete. Try to recall as many as you possibly can. And by doing so, uh, if you beat the other caller, you'll win the daily prize. And thanks once again to Dano Centre and Maxwell Spoglade and Mallow celebrating 30 years uh, servicing the community. Keep your questions coming, by the way, for Annalise Trissell, our nutritional therapist. She's going to be doing a question and answer session for us uh, today. So if you've got a question for Annalise, get it in 1850-333-103 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now, I spoke earlier with Fiona Corcoran, who was outlining to us the awful news that had come from Dan Corkery Place in McCroom this morning with the Gardaí investigating a fatal stabbing that occurred at a house there in the early hours of this morning. At In the last hour, there has been a press conference and here is some audio that Fiona recorded from the press conference. At approximately 1.50am on today's date, Gardaí from McCroom responded to a call at 12th and Corkery Place here in McCroom where they found a 44-year-old male and he was later pronounced dead. His body still remains at the scene. There was a male and female at the scene. They were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries and they have been brought to this Cork University Hospital and the Mercy Hospital, respectively. The scene is currently preserved for a full technical examination. A post-mortem will later take place by Dr Bolster. There's been a full incident room set up. Family liaison officer has been appointed and a serious senior investigating officer has also been appointed. And CCTV will be harvested, house to house will be carried out and a search team will search the immediate area. Uh, my appeal today is to appeal to anyone that was in Den Corkery Place or its environment last night between 9pm last night and 2am today and if they've seen anything suspicious or indeed any taxi drivers or any cars that may have dash cam footage, would they please contact, contact us at McCroom at 026 20590 or the Garda confidential line number 1800 666 Superintendent, can I ask you when you're saying the CCTV house to house inquiries, the murder weapon has it been found at this stage? Um, to that the early stages of the investigation, as I said, the search team will do a full search of the area. What can you tell us about the deceased man? He's a 44-year-old male and he's resident here in McCroom. Has, Has it been upgraded to a murder investigation at this stage, Superintendent? Well, that, that be? it is an early stages of the investigation, but we, that will be determined by the state pathologist. But we're treating it as a murder investigation. McCroom is a very small place. Everyone is known to each other down here. And uh, that's all I'm prepared to go to. It's at the early stages of the investigation. So how long has um, the man been living here? You know, from what you know? 
from what I know, he's living here for a period of time. Superintendent, the, the other man and the lady, how are they? They're, uh, as I said, they're non life threatening injuries and we haven't yet been in a position to interview them as yet. Are you hoping to that later today? We will be talking to them. Okay, that's the press conference from uh, McCroom. If uh, we will have more on that story, it hasn't yet been upgraded, as you possibly heard there, to a murder investigation. Okay, keep your your questions coming in from Annalise. I can see them coming in. Um, still getting in thoughts and comments for poor Emma Vic Mahuna and the family with, with somebody saying, please God, all those children will stay together. Uh, they need one another. God, they do. And, and I do hope, and that would have been her wish as well, they're all so young Um I know she has some aunts and uncles, and I don't. Are they they live near, or do they live near? I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. Hopefully, they will all uh, stay together. And on the the members of the travelling community, and they wanting the stables and the land. God, it's just infuriated so many people. The story is out of uh, Tipperary. Somebody doesn't want their name read out. Says Patricia, this is just bad for my blood pressure. This early in the morning, a housing estate built specifically for a group and they want more I'm indigenous to my area have been since I was a small child and when I was allocated a house by the council I was informed what I could not have when I moved in my dear God this is just ridiculous a tradition is being used for so much bull at the moment and yet we've animal cruelty epidemic especially amongst horses I have a dog and let me tell you the council didn't give me a dog house for her which is a good point enough is enough there's a halting site in Ballydenine in Donnerail and money has been poured into that as well to accommodate those living there and yet when they're allocated houses they bring their baggage with them horses and all and put them into any vacant land that they can find illegally I may add I need to go for a walk now I'm just so mad. Oh God. I don't I don't mean to raise your blood pressure, but it's definitely somebody getting very very annoyed indeed. And when Sacred Heart bulbs, lamps and fittings, Thornhill Electrical in Skibbereen have them if anybody is in the West uh, Cork uh, area. Thank you for that. Okay, I think I've got to all of our um, comments coming in have I just want to doubly make sure that they're all in Derry and Bandon says crocodile tears are now coming from Leinster House over the death of Emma Vic Mahuna it's just so wrong Leo Radker out this morning with his sympathies but uh, the Taoiseach was a former the now Taoiseach was a former Minister of Health so a lot of what was going on with the test results was surely under his watch I do not want these crocodile tears I want the woman to rest in uh, peace. A lot of people very annoyed, I have to say, with them. With the government and the government handling of all of this. Annalise Russell of the Health Hub at Times Square in Ballancolic joining us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and I have to say, thank you very much for setting up our interview when you were away last week and your replacement was uh, Dr. Delish Clare, who I've never interviewed before. What an interesting woman. She's absolutely fabulous. She really is. And I suppose the fact that she's a medical doctor and a medical herbalist is a lovely combination, Patricia, because, you know, she sees both sides of the fence, whereas a lot of people tend to be very alternative or very orthodox in their approach yeah. to healthcare, you know. Incredible. So she's she's, she's an great inc- incre- yeah. and, and so passionate yes. about what, she, what she's doing, which is she great. Is. And her stuff really works. I'm a, such a big fan of, of herbs, you know, and, and Delish's stuff really works so well. The feedback always 
comes back great from yeah, her, her products, yeah. you know. Okay, straight in with uh, questions that are coming into us, starting off with, um, have you any cure for a very dry mouth during the night? I am having chemo and radiotherapy at the moment. Oh, bless your heart, you're going through it at the moment. W- w- would, that, would that be the reason for the dry mouth, Annalise? Possibly could be, um, and especially if skin is dry as well. I mean, chemo is really rough, very, very rough on the system. Um, so it could be that, or it could be because you're breathing with your nose um, blocked and you're breathing with your mouth open. It's possibly that too. Um, the, it's, it's a difficult one because if it's because you're breathing, you know, obviously the, the, the fix for that is stop breathing through your mouth. This, um, the only thing that I know that works, and it's, I don't know how it works, but if you put a gob of Vaseline across the bridge of your nose, for some reason keeps that, your nose airways more open. Um, I've often done it now when I'm a bit snuffly and for some reason it stops your nose blocking up so you don't mouth breathe as much. So that could be one solution. The other solution, because when you're on chemo, you have to be very, very careful what you take because it can't interfere with the drugs. And doctors are very strict and will say to people, don't even change your diet. So something that would work well um, and works well for anybody with a dry mouth is to do something called oil pulling. So you can take an oil, a tablespoon of an oil, ideally coconut oil, because there's natural antifungals and antibacterials in coconut oil. Um, you can melt it first if, if it's the hardened one that you've got at home. Just melt it gently in the microwave. Put a tablespoon of oil into your mouth and then you swish it around in between your teeth, up and down. And you do that for about 10 or 15 minutes. And it's wonderful for dry mouth. There's a condition called Sorgren syndrome, which is a genetic syndrome that people have. They have very dry eyes and very dry mouth. And that is wonderful to do every other day when you've got dry mouth for helping that problem. And what what, what would you say you rinse through your mouth? So either use coconut oil, coconut. you can use olive oil as well. Um, you can use any oil, actually, because it's the, the oil that's doing a lot of cleaning and the hydrating of the cells. But coconut oil is wonderful because it's antibacterial and antifungal. You can buy a liquid version in the health shops, but if you've got the hardened version at home, just put it in the microwave for a second. Is, it, it is that called pulling or something? Is oil pulling. Oil pulling, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. Okay. George and Douglas, any natural remedies to stop indigestion? Only happens to me after very big meals, but it's very annoying, especially on evenings out with friends or if I'm in a restaurant and you might eat a little bit more than you would normally eat at home. Yeah, there's a couple of, lots of different things, really, Patricia, for indigestion. Um, Generally, with heavy food, I think it's a problem digesting the fats and the proteins. And the best way around that is to take a digestive enzyme with some stomach acid in it. Now, if you get heartburn, do not take a digestive enzyme with stomach acid. Opt for one without. And your health shop will give you one that's more suitable for your own particular system. And you can take that as and when you need it, the digestive enzyme. So for this gentleman here or this, this person, whenever they would go out to eat, that would be the time to take it. You take it before you eat your meal and it just supplements your own body's ability to break down food naturally. So it won't interfere with any medications. Another option as well is peppermint oil. Some people find that that's wonderful for their, their digestion. Again, it can cause heartburn in other people. So it's all about finding the one that works for you. And sometimes just a nice digestive tea with fennel, cardamom, in there, fennel is wonderful for helping break up wind as well if you tend to get a bit windy. Um, so a nice digestive tea, again, you'll get any all sorts of types in a health shop. 
Okay, this is in from Katrina. Could you ask Annalise, what does she think of the ketogenic diet short term for about six weeks to lose weight? I have about a stone to lose and I have an event coming up at the end of the month. So trying to lose it quickly. I've read mixed reviews about it. Does it have a negative effect on the liver? So now the ketogenic diet is very interesting and it's become very popular. Basically what it means, Patricia, is that you deprive your body of so much carbohydrate that your body needs to burn fat as a fuel. And as a result, it creates these ketone bodies. And this is why it's called the ketogenic diet. So your body will shed a lot of water very quickly. So generally on a ketogenic diet in the first week, you lose at least two thirds of what you lose would be water. And when you stop the diet and your body stops, starts to store your carbohydrate again, you'll put on a few pounds from that. Now, studies have shown that it can be a great way of losing weight quickly, but also of reversing type 2 diabetes. So lots of studies where they've put people on a, a very, very, very low carbohydrate diet, so it's high in fats and proteins, for a period of 8 to 12 weeks is one of the quickest ways to reverse type 2 diabetes. The negative effects of it would be that you can get a headache because you're depriving your brain of glucose, you're, so you can feel woolly-headed, lack of concentration, some people will feel very low in energy. I think body type-wise, it'll suit some people better than others. Some people, the energy will come back once their system kicks into burning fat as a fuel, and some people just won't ever get used to it, and they'll always feel sluggish. It can also cause severe constipation because you're depriving your body of a lot of vegetables and carbohydrate fiber. So there would be the negative effects, but it's not dangerous to do. And um, it can certainly, if you're coming, if an event is coming up, it can be a really quick way of shedding weight. But for that lady, I would say don't go back onto your normal diet until after the event, because as soon as you eat a carbohydrate, it will start storing carbohydrate in your body and water with it. So you will put back on two or three pounds almost within a day or two. Whoa, goodness me, after all that hard work. Yeah. Okay, um, hi Annalise, uh, could you please advise me on cholesterol? I got my results back recently, total five. HDL 1.40, LDL 3.2, triglycerides 0.77. Could you please tell me if I should be concerned? I'm a non-drinker, a non-smoker and I'm not overweight. No, no, Patricia. And you know what? I am getting more and more vocal about the statins because... Before, I was always worried, you know, that there'd be a study that would come out and show that I was completely wrong in accusing um, pharmaceutical companies of pushing drugs on people that they don't need. But there is more and more evidence coming out in the research that is showing that statins do not help prevent heart attacks, um, particularly over the age of 75. The percentage is so tiny that, um, you know, you're just as likely to get a heart attack without a statin. Now, there are some people that are going to need statins. Um, there's people genetically who will have very high cholesterol. Um, also, there's people who will not, with the best will in the world, be able to change their diet. So for some of those people, a statin is a wonder drug and you should definitely take it. But for many people, and especially this person whose who cholesterol looks really good to me, the side effects are quite negative. It deprives your body of an essential vitamin called coenzyme Q10. Um, Coenzyme Q10 is very important for muscle function, your heart being a muscle. Uh, a lot of people will get muscle pain, will start getting forgetful, will feel tired on exertion after walking up the stairs. That's a real sign that you're deprived and you're deficient in that coenzyme Q10. And doctors should be telling people to take coenzyme Q10 if they're putting them on a statin and it doesn't happen. 
So I think it's a real problem. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm. There's a lot of people on this drug that don't need to be on this drug. Um, certainly, one of the other measures as well, Patricia, is that if your good cholesterol is good, it doesn't matter if your overall cholesterol is high. Sweden, 6.5 is healthy cholesterol. It's 5 here in Ireland. Now, if you've got a lot of good cholesterol, it, you could be very well over the measure of 5 and the doctor might want to put you on a statin. But you're, in fact, healthier than someone whose cholesterol is under 5 but has very low good cholesterol. So it's about the, it's about the breakdown. And again, I personally wouldn't advise anyone in my family to take a statin that has cholesterol under 6.5. 0.5 and under I think is perfectly safe especially if you don't have high blood pressure and if you're not overweight. Okay, hi uh, staying on cholesterol, could you ask Annalise, is the cholesterol lowering drinks that you buy in Aldi as good as the Benicol? Obviously there's a huge difference in price. I would say yes definitely. Um, really what you're looking for are the plant sterols in there so you want the measure of the plant sterol the problem with a lot of those drinks Patricia is that they're made with sugar and other unhealthy ingredients so personally I would prefer people to take plant sterol in tablet form. So there's a very good brand called ZeroCol that's made here by an Irish company. Um, and that has got 1.6 grams of the plant sterols. That's the, the kind of the, the number that you're looking for that shows in the studies will help bring your cholesterol down. So what the plant sterols do is they fool the body into thinking that you've already made enough cholesterol for your needs. So your liver stops making cholesterol and stops absorbing cholesterol from your diet. So you generally take it with your main meal and it can be very successful at bringing your cholesterol down by up to 17%. Um, so, and it will work out cheaper for you across the month than buying those drinks. But, you know, for some people, if they get the good bacteria in with the drink and you go for the sugar-free version, it can be another option. Okay, and uh, very quickly, because I'm up against time, how much coenzyme t- Q10 do you need to take, uh, says a caller? Yeah, that's again, it's a difficult one. I suppose if you don't have any symptoms at all, but you just want to check the box to make sure you're not being deficient, take a low dose of 30 milligrams. Make sure it's a, it's one that's been um, encapsulated with fat because otherwise you just won't absorb it and it'll be a waste of your money. So Viridian are a good company. They do a good um, uh, encapsulated one. If you've got side effects, so if you feel that your memory has suffered or you've got sore muscles or you are exhausted, feeling exhausted, or even if you've gotten a bit cranky, my dad got very cranky on statins, then take 100 milligrams. It's quite expensive. So take that for a couple of months and then switch down to the lower dose and see can you maintain the benefit. Okay, a mind of information as always. Thank you for that. We'll chat again next week. Thanks Thanks for joining us. That is Annalise Drussell, the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Ballancolic. And that's where I leave you for today, except somebody's been on to say Sacred Heart bulbs are available at Buckley's Hardware Shop in Mallowtown. They sell the bulbs as well. So I think we've got calls in from all over the county. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Witcher for the afternoon. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 